Hello? 11 baptisms. I, yeah, I can't add much to that. But I am coming to youth next, wait, tonight, bringing my neighbor. So guess what, youth? You got, you're going to have to beat me too, okay? I'm going to be the stand-in dad. Okay, here's the deal. Uh, we have a process we go through with life, right? Trust the process. We've heard that saying. Trust the process. Let's say it together. Ready? One, two, three. Trust the process. Now tell the person next to you, trust the process. Go. Yes. Wow, you guys, you keep saying it. Telling everybody. Okay, stop trusting them for a second. Yeah, it's my turn to talk. My goodness. So we, we trust the process. What is that? Well, the Philadelphia 76ers or whatever their basketball team is called, the general manager said this slogan, trust the process, encouraging the fans to be patient with the rebuilding process of their team. And they, they draft a kid that they think is going to be a champion. I know nothing about basketball. You're all feeling impressed like I know something. I don't. I just read this. His name's Joel Embiid. They're like, he's going to be a champion. But guess what? Joel kept getting injured. Kept getting injured again and again and again. And so he kept telling everybody, trust the process. I'm going to rebuild my body. I'll get in there. Just keep trusting the process. And he got the nickname, The Process. <laughs> What happens with Joel is he heals and recovers and gets better and becomes MVP all-star. He was a part of the rebuilding process of that team. Now, we're in Galatians, and Paul is talking to Galatia, the church of Galatia, and he's saying, you were trusting the process, but then something changed. Oh, foolish Galatians, did you not start with the spirit? Now you, can, now you think you can do it with the flesh, with your efforts. So they were trusting in Christ and his grace. But then they all of a sudden got off and started trusting the process of what they could fulfill. And so today I'm wanting to expand on what Paul's expanding on. He's talking to a church that he knows well. They're mature. They know the Old Testament. He's a friend with the church in Galatia. He knows them well. And he's trying to get them to realize that they've gone astray a little bit. And I hope what we, when we read this that it actually is going to help us uh, understand maybe where we've gotten off um, in the process of faith, in the process of trusting in the Spirit. Instead, we're trusting in our own efforts and our own ways. So he then gives all this stuff. He said, well, at the first, he says, Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit? Are you now being perfected by the flesh? So that's how he starts chapter 3. And then he gives all these arguments why you cannot live up to the law. Like if you try to keep all the rules, that's not going to save you. Then we land on verse 19. He says, why then the law? So we're skipping all these arguments. I'm just getting right to it. Why then the law? Verse 19. Because of transgressions, it was added. What he's saying is he's saying that, well, there's a lot that's here. 
I mean, the law was added so there was a sacrificial system in the Old Testament. So when they sinned, they could sacrifice and then their sins would be pardoned and forgiven. That was part of the law. The other part of the law was so that they could understand what was right and wrong. They could understand what God desired and they had a written code and a set of rules to follow. So that's part of it. But Paul's not aiming at that. Paul's aiming at something way, way more clear. He's, he's trying to point out how jacked up they are. He's saying the reason the law was added is because it's to show you that your transgressions are so high, so wide, you cannot measure up. The law was added so that it slays every confidence in your life that you can live a reformed life. It destroys every argument in your mind that, hey, if I start living right, I will have mercy. It slays every idea that, hey, I, if, I, if I do future good, it will forgive my present evil. That if I do future good, it will get rid of what I did in the past. So he's saying the law is added to slay your confidence in yourself. It's the condemning voice of God to say you can't do it. See, the law is brutal. It's brutal. It says if you have one stain, the whole outfit's ruined. It says if you have one crack in the vase, the vase is worthless. It's saying if you've messed up but only once, you're doomed. You're doomed. And that's what Paul's trying to point out, that your sins are so vast, you cannot do enough good in your life to pay for them. Martin Luther, the reformer, says the law is the hammer of death. The law is the hammer of death. It condemns you. It, it brings the wrath of God. It stops your mouth because you have no excuse. It's, it's like when you're driving and then all of a sudden a, a cop pulls up behind you. It's like, oh no, oh no. And you just 10 and two, blinker every 500 feet before you turn. And then, you know, you're just on edge because you know if you mess up once, He's after you. But it's not just driving. That cop's with you when you go to the bathroom. And when you lay in bed and you roll over, he's right there. That's the law. The law is like right there all the time, just waiting for you to do one mess up. And be, see, see, you're doomed. You can't do it. It will be relentless after you. That's what the law does. It does not produce life. Romans says this. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped. No boasting when you're in the law. Law is too big. And while the world may be held accountable to God, for by works of the law, no human being will be justified. You cannot be good enough to justify yourself, since through the law comes the knowledge of sin. Just nine verses before this one I read in verse 19, he says, if you're under the law, you're cursed. You're cursed, you're doomed. This idea that you think you're good enough. In the modern world, we don't see the law how the Galatians saw the law. They saw it through all of this, not just the 10 commandments, but there's a lot more than just 10. They saw and knew every law. We make it an easy law. We make the law really easy in our culture. Let me give you an example. I think how I made a law of this because I was kind of taught this, not so much by my parents, but just by the culture of the church. Every night I would say a prayer. I would say it every night. 
God, please forgive me my sins. And I would do the prayer. We all know the prayer, right? We all know the prayer. God, please forgive me my sins. And I did this every single night because for whatever reason, subconsciously, I thought the prayer was saving me rather than Christ. So I would pray it every night because I thought this is how I get into heaven. This is how I get into heaven. I just need to say the prayer. And this is what we do. We rely on something that we think we can do and then it gets us saved. Wait, what did Christ say? It's not what you do that gets you saved. It's not a prayer that gets you saved. It's not a baptism that gets you saved. It's not your attendance record at church that gets you saved. It's not your good works that gets you saved. What gets you saved? Faith in Christ Jesus, and that's what Paul is trying to address. So if you're living off a prayer you said when you were seven years old, that's with me for a while, that's a bad insurance policy. That's a bad faith because a prayer doesn't save you. Are you thinking of something you did good way, way, way back then? That's not getting you in. I, I worked with guys. It was just devastating. They claim to be Christians, and then they're swiping right on Tinder, right, 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 hoping for the next hookup. And I'm like, man, is that good? And you know what? They, they say it's the classic thing. Oh, I raised in the church, man. I said the prayer. Oh, I was baptized. Oh, you know, I'm Christian. Again, it doesn't matter what country you were born in. If you're born in a Christian nation, have Christian parents Say the prayer, get baptized, read the word. That doesn't get you saved. Are those things good? Sure. But if you have the view that those are winning you something and getting you into heaven, it's the foundation is wrong. So, I hope we're not relying on those things. Is kind of my hope, is we're not relying on that. Now, I know those things are good. I mean, Romans 10, 9, I mean, I've read that where it says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe all that, that's good. But it also says that this idea a few chapters before Romans 10, it says, by faith alone in Jesus Christ, you'll be saved. In John 14, Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you haven't gone through Christ, it's like you don't know Christ, have you not just mentally ascended to it, but have you encountered a person? Can you not just spit out all the, the right answers, Jesus, 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 but can you show that you've encountered a living being? Because that's what we're called into, a living being. So we can weaken the law, make it an easy law, um, now, Paul doesn't go, he doesn't go as far to say that the works don't matter in Galatia. In, in the church of Galatia, he doesn't say, all your works are bad. He's saying your foundation's wrong. The works that you're doing are out of something else because Galatians 5 says, faith working through love. So faith is active. It's, it's working, it's moving, it's, it's straining forward like Paul says. It's where Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my word. If you love me, you will keep, because it's an overflow. James says, faith without works is dead, like a living body with no breath. And so, it's, it's not as grace is opposed to effort. Dallas Willard, great quote. He says, grace is not opposed to effort, it's opposed to earning. Again, it's the, it's the principle of the matter. Are you working for Christ to earn 
something? Are you working for Christ and, 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 and uh, putting all your effort forward because there's an overflow of a relationship and, and a, a person? There's a big difference from the foundation. So, why then the law? It was added not only to break us, slay all these ideas that we could do it, to humble us, but it's also why then the law, I think sometimes we turn back to the law. So what, what happened in Galatians? They were starting right, then they turned back to the law. I think there's a ten, temptation to turn back and, and make the law a set of principles and rules because it makes us feel good. It's predictable. It's formula. It's a formula. It's transactional. It becomes way more transactional than a relationship. It's like almost if I told my wife, okay, give me, give me just everything that makes you feel loved, how you like to talk, blah, 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 and I'll do that. Come on, give me the list, Abby. You know, and she gives me the list. Now, that's not, it's so transactional. And so this idea that we oftentimes want to run back to this law because it's predictable and it's ABC, one, two, three, and we can say, I did that, I did this, and it starts feeling good. Uh, but the, the danger is it's not written on our hearts, because that's what 2 Corinthians 3 says. Not written on tablets of stone, but written on our hearts. It's like God has rewritten something. So we stop believing in the process of faith, and then we start believing in the process of self-improvement of my good list. So we get like a whole list of, here's the 20 things. See how good I am? I, I don't lie, I don't cheat, I don't hate, I'm not mean, I'm not cruel. And so we, we get this list of stuff and we say, I follow this, and then it changes our mind where we start to think it's like the, the I deserve me list. Where you're like, well God, I've been doing all these things, why am I suffering? I've been doing all these things. Why am I still having this? I'm doing all these things. I'm not getting more money. I, I got sickness. I got, and so we start now, since we think we're fulfilling this good do list, we now think we deserve. And this is some of what, even in Galatia, they were struggling with. And I've noticed that too, like when we have that spirit about us where we have this to-do list we create, the law, it's, it's almost as we become critical. Critical about the most smallest things. Oh, this is the real problem. It's all the addicts. It's, 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 all, it's all these lazy people. Whatever the issue is, we become real critical. If they were just more like us, it's the liberals, it's the immigrants, it's blah, 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 and we have all these things. It's, this is the problem. When Jesus came, he didn't point at all the problems. He said, I'm here to fix the problem. Here to clean hearts. It's, it's the pharisaical spirit where we say, Jesus, you're not even washing your hands before you eat. And your disciples aren't either. I mean, they missed it so bad. You're not washing your hands. I wonder if he thought, I'm not here to wash hands. I'm not here to wash hands. I'm here to wash spirits. I'm here to clean hearts. I'm here to transform souls. They got way off. 
And so I think the danger of not only relying on something we did, if it's the prayer, this or that, but this to-do list that we like that's predictable and makes us feel like, well, I'm better than the person next to me. I'm better than those people. Those people need to be like me. Honestly, we just think we're good. We feel good because we're following our little law list rather than the standard. The standard. The standard. We don't even have any idea what the standard is. I guarantee you don't. Because I didn't know when I started realizing the standard, it's high. I thought I was all right at basketball. You know why? Because I'm playing with Michael Marks. We bounce the ball like this. <laughs> and I thought I was good. Then I show up to a court and, you know, people like Trent and Sean and Dion are there. And they do both hands. They're like this. Uh-uh-uh. And I'm like, whoa. They don't use two hands to bounce. And I realized, whoa, they're better. Now, the, not to bash them, but they're not that good. Let's get to the real standard. If LeBron shows up at the court, our Michael Jordan, who everything's his best, we'll just say LeBron for now, he shows up at the court, guess what? I don't think Trent and Sean and Dion are gonna think they're good. All of a sudden, he is amazing. Every shot, I mean, each of us could play him one-on-one -on -one and we will not beat him. Right, Trent? That's right, see, I just gotta see it. <laughs> because he is the standard of good. You think you're good. You think you're a good person? Good luck. Here's the 613 laws. Look, follow them. You think you're good. Start doing these, but guess what? You don't start doing them now. You needed to start doing them when you were a child. And you need to follow these every dot. Every slash of the T, you gotta follow these every minute. You think you're good? Shame on you. I think I'm good, shame on me. Here's the standard of perfection, right here. Did you fulfill it? Did you complete it? Well, the law says you're condemned to hell. That's what it says. It says you're doomed if you're gonna keep trying to follow this. It says you're doomed. But here's the deal. And here's the good news, and we know it. But I just feel this is so convicting to me because there was the one who set the standard and the one who fulfilled the standard. And to me, thinking, if I ever think I'm a good person, what I'm doing is I'm gonna stand before God and I'm gonna say, Jesus is gonna be right here and I'm gonna be here and I'm gonna say, yeah, I'm good. But look at the perfection. See, Christ fulfilled the law. He accomplished the law. He, he set us free from the law of sin and death. And so if I say I'm good, I'm being compared to the standard of good, which is Christ, perfect, sinless, never hated, never hurt, always loved, always kind, always speaking truth, never one word misplaced. If he stepped into this room, the room would become holy. In my presence, it becomes holy. I mean, if he showed us all his glory, we would not only be blinded, but we would die. And then I say, I'm good. I'm good? I'm good? Man, we've got it wrong. He is good. He is righteous. He is perfect. He was the only way and the only rescue plan we had. And the danger is you think you can rescue yourself. 
because of your good works. But you can't live the standard. The vase has been cracked and water is gushing out. You are empty because you do not have Christ repairing you and sustaining you and saving you. Trust the process, not of your works, but the process of what Christ worked and what Christ is working in you. He began a good work in you. He began a process. He can complete the process. But it's through faith in him, not your efforts. Your good efforts are filthy rags, it says. Jesus is here. And I just am trying to persuade you to not follow the law because it condemns, it brings wrath, it enslaves, it is a brutal master that will always condemn and make you feel worthless. But there's a far better master and that is Christ. So we're all following a process. Which one are you following? Yours? What you can complete or what Christ has completed? So what is the process The process is faith, and that's what Paul says. Faith in Jesus Christ. It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified, he says in verse one or two. I just, I do believe in this room, my hope and prayer is that your good works and all the ways you've been living, that they're starting to be slain. They're starting to be humbled. You're starting to feel broken. You're starting to see that you cannot measure up because that is called poverty of spirit, which is the first step into the kingdom of heaven. And so if you feel this sense of poverty of I can't measure up, I am broken, my hopes are being slain, every hope I go after gets slain, It's because Christ is after your heart. And just as the Galatians did not actually see Christ crucified, the revelation was so great that it was as if they saw Jesus Christ publicly portrayed as crucified before him. There is such great revelation even in this midst that you are seeing Christ crucified before your very eyes. It's as if you're seeing Christ is real. He is with me. He does love me. He is fighting for me. And so the step in trusting the process is surrender because the Holy Spirit is illuminating that right now. So Christ was crucified on your behalf, slain on your behalf to abolish the law in your life. And now you can walk by the law of the Spirit, it says in Romans 8. And so my hope is that you see this better call. John Bunyan says, to run and work the law commands, but neither gives us feet nor hands. But better news the gospel brings, it bids us fly and gives us wings. I mean, you maybe feel that way. You've been going through life just defeated and bothered. And you're in this moment and you're realizing the, the process that I've been trusting is not working. God's begin a tr- process in you, and you're here for a reason, not by chance. You're here for a reason because God's begun a process, and he wants to complete it in you. And so I want to ask that you would surrender your life to Christ.
Say goodbye to the old master, that cop that's been behind you your whole life waiting for you to mess up and to embrace a good savior that took all your bad on the cross and gave you his good. Took all your filth and gave you his righteousness. Said, I'll lay in the grave and raise you to life. But then not only that, he says, I'm powerful and the grave can't hold me. And he raises us with him. So it's a powerful reality, but you must be humbled. You must have every hope slayed. You must have every future vision broken that you can do it. And I hope you can see that you cannot do it without Christ, only through Christ. So that's how you can respond today. I I am going to have the band come up. Um, I want you to respond to this, to begin to trust the process, as well for brothers and sisters who are like the church in Galatia, You've gotten off track. You trusted the Spirit. You began with the Spirit. You began with grace. But what happened? You you were tempted to go back to the old master because the old master might make you feel good. The old master is predictable. It's an ABC list, and you feel good doing it. We need to repent of that, church. We need to repent of trusting in that. See, we need to abide in Christ even when it's hard. Okay, Christians, we need to abide in Christ even when it's hard. What is the process in trusting in the process of faith? It's trusting in Christ that when everything's going bad, we can say, let's quote it, or I'll quote it, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. That's right. For those who are called according to his purpose, that God is not against us, but for us. And that if we sin and fall short as believers, it says Hebrews 4, to boldly draw near to the throne of grace to receive mercy. See, you have not been boldly drawing near to the throne of grace. You have been boldly walking away from it and walking to your list of what makes you feel good. And you can say, I am a good person. No, you've gone astray, oh foolish Galatians, oh foolish Americans that we think we're good people because we're a Christian nation. No, those are not the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is not through your works and not through being good. There's only one good God and good nation. It's the kingdom of God and it's Christ Jesus. It's not you. It is not you. He is the only one that's good and he's the only one that can make you good. And it's through his works. And I just think, man, I'm so tired of thinking I'm good. And I'm so tired of thinking, I feel this, that, and and people thinking, I just, I want to look at Christ and and see that he is more beautiful and amazing than I could ever comprehend. And that all of eternity will be praising him and worshiping him. Not me, not you, him. And so, As we respond, we must respond. We cannot just take in information, write it down and forget. We must respond when the word of God is brought, when the spirit of God moves you. Or we'll just make this, we'll make this Heb's law where neurons fire together, wire together, where we take the word of God and then we chew it up and just let it go. No, we wanna take it and, and let it move us. So God has begun a process in you and he's gonna complete it 
And what we need to do is continue to believe in him. So as we sing, I want you to respond to him. You Christians, to just say, God, I repent of thinking I could do it. I want to come back to the throne of grace. I want to come back to you, Christ, and realize that it's a bit more confusing because I don't have the to-do list. It's a bit more confusing because i got to trust that God is working all things together for good, even when I don't see that he's working all things together for good. i got to trust that. And for you that do not know Christ, I just, I just ask, come forward to the prayer teams and just respond. Tell them. Tell them that you want to give your life to Jesus. They're going to help you walk you through that. Brothers and sisters in Christ, if you need to respond to just get some prayer, say, I need to turn back. Turn back to Christ. Get, stop turning to myself. Come and do that. So I want us to trust the process of faith and trust the process of what the Holy Spirit will work in us through a life of faith. Okay? Let me pray and... Uh, We'll, we'll respond. So Jesus, we just are, we are here before you, the perfect, spotless lamb of God. Let us be like Thomas, who see in these next moments the scars in your hand, my Lord and my God. Let us be John the Baptist that says, behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. We're not even worthy to to untie your shoes. God, let us not be arrogant saying, God, why aren't you answering my prayers? Why aren't you washing your hands? No, let us look at what you've done. You've washed our souls. You're making us clean. You're forgiving us. You're delivering us. You're freeing us. For those that are far from you today, let them step into the the life of faith, the process of faith, the process of the Spirit working in and out of them. So God, just be very present in these next moments. Fill us with your Spirit. Fill us with your Spirit. Yeah, just... I don't know, I'm just sensing that God is really moving people uh, to give their lives and for other brothers and sisters to repent of of turning to their own works. Um, All right, as we sing, please respond. Amen. Amen.